lunch at Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. Hello and welcome to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback where we look through the dizzying highs, terrifying lows and the creamy middles of seasons 1 to 12 of The Simpsons through random episode generation. I am your co-host Tyler McRae and um, he's done so well he's uh, gotten himself another series. I did this exact same joke with our previous guest so we'll do it again. Hi Danny, how are we? It's good to have you back. <laughs> I am good, thank you for having me again and doing very different episode this time round. Yes, your pilot went so well, we're giving you a second series so you know you're not in the prime time slot so you better do well. And the episode we are going to be reviewing today is The Mansion Family from Season 11, Episode 12, uh, directed by Michael Polcino, written by John Swartzwalder, and the couch gag is Marge and Homer, uh, children, Bart and Lisa are adults, and Maggie is in Homer's arms. It's a sort of age swap there. Um, now, from the previous episode you were a part of, Danny, Season 1, we're jumping straight into our sort of nth tier to Season 11. What sort of differences uh, did you notice? I mean, at this point in the show, it had completely changed how their own formula worked, and you can see it in this episode where one of the more one of the trends they do at this point is the first act has nothing to do with the rest of the plot. You will start to see a lot of that with I want to say eleven and twelve. Uh, typically, the scholarly years, put it in a nutshell, it is a madness where yeah, the first act is quite unrelated. And then um, I think typically the third act, some sort of crazy scheme gets resolved or there's some mad action sequence that just finitely ends it. Yeah, but in the case of this episode in particular, what we'll get again to more as we go through the episode is I really think all three acts are basically separate stories. None of them really tie into each other, except in the most bare, bare minimum ways. And also um, it's quite favourable in the scully years, the uh, egregious guest appearances. Oh, God, yes, and this is one of the worst ones, this one. I know, I know, okay, we're going to have to go at loggerheads, uh, at loggerheads here now, Dan, because um, as egregious as it was and as much as Britney Spears, it was Britney Spears, folks, by the way, it, it's Britney, bitch, um, as much as Britney Spears here was very egregious and just there as herself, I think she did all right. I, I, it wasn't offensive. I think she did as well as she could have done. I mean, shall we get into it right now? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's your critique with Brit? Do you have a critique? Wait, I want to know because this she I had a poster of her. Do you have a critique with Britney or do you have a critique uh, with uh, the guest appearance? No, Britney is... as a celebrity and a person, I'm perfectly fine with. It's more of her use in this episode. So, kind of think to more later seasons where like the Lady Gaga episode was infamous for just being Ugh. one big self-indulgent, isn't Lady Gaga great? And I think this is that, but just on a more compact level. Oh, like, really? I honestly can't think of any jokes Britney does. All it is is she shows up and everyone cheers. Like, the only joke is Ken Brockman saying, and I'm Ken Brockman, with Britney Spears! Okay, I'll, gi I'll give you the fact that it's very much, here's this megastar on our show. I completely agree with you there, because Scully did like bringing in massive names and the um, the review we did in Tennis to Menace you know he was a tennis fan and he wanted to get Andre Agassi and the Williams sisters and everyone else and credit him he did and look where that episode got us honestly I think the better celebrity cameos is when they play characters rather than themselves like who would you say is the best celebrity cameo in The Simpsons oh wow um, it's like picking him a favourite child is um, 
I'm sort of stuck, but I guess the one off the top of my head... You know what? Uh, sorry, I'm not even going to say um, as a different character. As a straight-up guest appearance, Johnny Carson. Because he was um, put as this sort of, oh, he's perfect, he can do anything. He can juggle a Buick Skywalker in my head and do magic and everything. So that nth degree of uh, insane genius and charisma that he portrayed... I was a big fan of that. That was the Chris Against Cancel one. Wasn't yeah, it? which is a review we also did, folks. Please check that out. What about yourself? I mean, also for that episode, Bette Midler is a fantastic cameo in there. Action hero Bette Midler, yeah. I'll get you for this, Midler! But my my two favorites, there's always a tie between either Dustin Hoffman as a... Mr. Bergstrom, I Yeah, Mr. Bergstrom, or Michelle Pfeiffer as Mindy. Oh, it was Pfeiffer as Mindy. I knew it was a famous actress, so it's... I always Michelle forget Pfeiffer. that. That's kind of what I love, because that's, that's the character first, the celebrity second. Mm. But how Britney Spears got into this episode is uh, through the first act, where it's the Springfield Pride Awards. I mean, it's got nothing on the Montgomery Burns Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellent Awards. Yes. First time, folks. First time. But, um, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting little intro here. Um, I mean, it's not great and dynamic, but, you know, we've got Britney Spears. I, I still think she delivers her lines well, and, you know, she's this big pop culture magnate and Kent's frustrated because the people love her more than they love him. Uh, I do like this segment as a whole, most because it does, it is just one of those situations where it's just a setting to let characters tell good jokes, especially when they get the whole ensemble of the show involved. It's like Lenny gets a good joke here, Grandpa gets a good joke there. Yeah, right. What Now, Simpsons memes are prevalent throughout social media, as I'm sure everyone listening to this knows. Why isn't there an ongoing meme series of, you know, oh, you know, I've heard a lot of buzz about Lenny and him looking concerned. I feel like I have to have seen that image across the internet somewhere because it is just such a funny still image of him. Yeah, just I, looking I'm really that, underrated. Yes, just looking that confident and determined on something that really does mm. not matter. Like this tertiary character, you know, he's going to win big. He's going to go on that big Oscar sweep. Yeah, The later seasons... Seasons like 10 through 20 really fell in love with Lenny, it seems. Like, he really got a lot more use out there. Like, he there got was... a lot of solid jokes. I remember um, there was the recurring something in his eye joke, which they just really yes, loved that. Yes, yes, Yeah, Homer's annoyed because he can't seem to win an award. Everyone but Homer's winning an award. Even Marge for most blood donated. And we get a nice little jab here at the Grammys. You know, Homer's won a Grammy with the B-sharp, so that is canonically true, but... Homer, you know, oh, I want an award that means something. I think, like, the fact it's a bit fourth wall breaky that, oh, you know, the producers of this show that you are watching do not coincide with this character that you are watching. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, yeah, this whole joke, I just never understood. Why does The Simpsons have such a vitriolic hatred for the Grammys? Like, if it was just award shows in general, I would understand that, but... Specifically the Grammys, they have gone out of their way multiple times to insult and berate, and it has never made sense to me. Well, I do agree to an extent, because, I mean, the Grammys are our popularity contests and sort of record labels showing each other how far they can piss. I mean... Yeah, but you could say that about every awards show, so why specifically that one? Well, I suppose the only example I can think of is, like, best rap album one year went to Macklemore, your mum's favourite mayonnaise white overly white rapper. When you know you had Kendrick there, so that's all I'm going to say on the matter. Reaches one of the peak awards during the ceremony, uh, Springfield's oldest citizen here. You know, Britney gets a good joke in talking about, 
and this youth-obsessed culture, you know, we do forget that older people are alive. <laughs> yeah. Not even that they're a facet, they're a, they're a treasure to society, that just they're alive, they're kicking about. Also, uh, the fun fact, the whole thing with the oldest man award was actually based on uh, one of the producers' real-life stories where his grandma won his town's oldest person. Seriously? Yeah, they gave her, like, a golden and cane or something oh but it God. didn't have her name written on it and they said yeah we're going to write your name on it when you die so we can put your day oh, of death oh for fuck's sake that's so morbid yeah so like this award she won she's not actually going to get properly until she can't you're not going to appreciate it now Mavis just wait till you're in the cold hard ground but it turns out it's Cornelius Chapman who was apparently a stellar of man he was a real salt of the earth kind of guy including uh, one of my little favourite minor jokes of the show um, showing the citizens of Springfield how to brush their teeth like a bunch of backward bumblefuck folk. That feels like a typical old joke. They like to make a lot of look at this old person being around for the invention of things. Mm. In this case, the invention of the toothbrush. I've said it before in previous reviews, but I love the jokes of Springfield is a shit town. Here's why. But we get Cornelius trotting himself out and Brittany gives him a little peck on the cheek and... Oh, he has a heart attack and he dies suddenly. <laughs> There's a little cute rim shot in the background, like it's a big massive joke. So they have to give the award to someone else. This is when you get different old elderly people of Springfield jumping up and down, you know. Eight years old, 90 years old, Grandpa sort of gets confused. He's up and down a couple of times. But it turns out it's Mr. Burns, who's 104 years old. He goes to collect the award and he doesn't want Britney Spears to give him that Black Widow kiss and... It hasn't got a speech prepared, but you know, abracadaver. Now, until I found out what a cadaver was, like yes. obviously being a lot younger, I just thought, oh, we misspoke. Well, that was just a bit of nonsense, but no, it was quite well worked. Yeah, because they like to do that thing of Mr. Burns saying odd things every so often. That turn of the century rich folk language. Is exactly. So and now they just create this silly pun of him. I do, weirdly enough, I love what they do with the old man's corpse. Like, even as soon as he dies, Kent just kind of scoots him away. Like, they're just pushing him yeah. under the rug. Nobody comes to collect the corpse. Everyone just, deal with, just deals with it, lets it be there. The show must go up. I like, I like when he prays out. Says, oh, he didn't want to give that up. Ha ha ha! Rigor mortis. The man just died. Yeah, God, that is... I do feel like, even though uh, this time period of The Simpsons, really, the first act was always separate, they were always good first acts. And that's what I like. They still get... Yeah, they still get a lot of good jokes out of the settings they have. Burns, winning this award, realises, you know, he's not a young man anymore. So Smithers recommends that he gets a full health checkup. He's taken him to the best Mayo Clinic. So he needs um, someone to look after his massive mansion. Now, typically, how we've watched this all before, we all know who's going to eventually get the mansion. It's not going to be crusty or... Disco stew is it? We need to get Homer in there somewhere. So I'm fine with it. Obviously, being the Simpsons and them taking care of it, and that's the best sort of comedy you're going to get out. But I don't like the fact he's just he's due for a good performance. I wasn't a big fan of that. Oh, I kind of like that joke there because that is really? kind of that is kind of them just embracing this idea of uh, why even bother pretending to come up with some kind of excuse. He's just hey, who's that idiot that always gets up to wacky hijinks and it just cuts to Homer cutting his. You don't panel believe in it's half. overly meta or overly like the writer saying oh you know what we're trying to do so just i mean in terms of overly meta i think they already they already jumped that shark with the producers hating the grammys yeah yeah no, in, right. 
in this case, I do think it is just more of those... This uh, The setup on how they get there isn't important. Just getting them there is what matters. At least they had Smithers shake his head, sort of represent the audience like, oh, all right, fine. But the Simpsons are quite happy, you know, um, they get to live in this lovely big mansion. And I guess I'll bring it up now, folks. Um, me and Danny have actually lived in, well, let's say not a mansion, but we lived in this big, lovely country manor house for this big group holiday and that. And I could relate a lot to this... Uh, new situation the Simpsons were in, because we uh, lived the high life. We lived with the Joneses now, didn't we, Danny? Yeah, for about a week, just going on holiday in this mansion, which I think they filmed like Pride or Prejudice, something there. We must have. It's a very Mr. Darcy vibes we were getting from there. Uh, we'll talk more about it throughout the episode as we go, as we uh, drop in here. Don't worry about a thing. We'll take good care of your house. Look at me. I'm a billionaire. I forgot my... <laughs> this whole second act just does not work for me. No? No, it's... It should do, because it is very much the type of perfect system. It's just putting the Simpsons in a scenario. In this case, the Simpsons get to be rich for a week. You're not a fan of the fish-out-water scenarios? I should be. The, and even the way it's ha how it's all written, it's very much segmented into, here's an idea for a joke, let's just have a 30-second scene around it. And it's just bang, 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 that way. But... It, the joke, the jokes just don't work for me. I think they're just far too simple. Like two of the scenes, the entire joke is just built around Homer being drunk. All right, I'll agree. I'll agree with you that a lot of the um, Simpsons in a rich house, a lot of the jokes are quite simple. Uh, with Mike Scully during these years itself, he sacrificed a lot of characters, plot, and nuance for just straight jokes. He wanted the show to be a joke machine to compete with. Uh, a load of new programs in the millennium, so I believe that'll be the reason, the catalyst for that. I mean, usually I do really like that system for The Simpsons. Like, I've, I remember that seeing in like an audio commentary where they said they used to have a system where each page needed a minimum amount of like 10 jokes or something. But in this case, just... So like, there's one of the scenes is uh, Lisa finding an old Nancy Drew book that was banned. And just goes, tut, tut, so many swears. Yeah, that was really funny. Yeah, I don't know what the that. joke is there. Yeah. The best joke in this in this uh, second act is when Bart's looking for a safe, and there's just this random royal guard in there. You get, you get a nice little sort of golden nugget of a callback um, with Mr. Burns' naked drawing from season two. He kept it, fair enough, as much as it ripped and it was genitalia. Howdy, this is just a reminder that if you're enjoying the content so far, loving our podcast, loving the episode, go over to facebook.com and search for Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, a British podcast, and give us a like there. We'll update you on all of our exclusive content and posts as well. Also, if you're in the mood for a bit more Simpsons and more Simpsons podcasts, go over and check out the 411 folks on Facebook and SoundCloud as well. They do lots of great impressions, great analysis of the episodes, and it's generally a good time. And now back with your regularly scheduled listening. I'll say, okay, I didn't my best bit of these simple jokes as we want to put them has to be um them racing through the corridors, you know, Bart's this race car driver, uh Lisa's the horse, I'm Princess Margaret, and I'm just I'm drunk and tearing up the fucking fall with the lawnmower. That was probably the best bit of the act two. <laughs> But I think overall, 
overall the best bit. It's got to be the B story for me and Mr. Burns at the Mayo Clinic. Uh, would you agree, Danny? Absolutely. Mr. Burns steals this episode. And again, that's kind of what I was saying. You have a very well-defined character. Just put them in a situation. The jokes write themselves. Mr. Burns going for a medical checkup. And it is just another bang, 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 joke after joke after joke. But they all work. Just him. Well, you could say because it's character-based, you can have a good idea how it will react in certain situations. It is. I mean, the best line in the episode, cause a parent's death, got in my way. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact he's got, like, the second earliest um, sort code ever. No, 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 two. Damn, Roosevelt. You have a favourite, um, oh no, you just said your favourite moment. My favourite moment, um, it's not even particularly impressive, it's just like two or three seconds while he's doing, doing like all the medical exams, like blowing into the tube. Um, it's when he's going up the little mini stair escalators, I'm a big boy. <laughs> like you don't expect that from a 104 year old man, like I'm proud of myself, look how big and strong I am. Weirdly enough, Mr. Burns' best jokes are often the ones where he's out of character. Because that is just such a random thing for Mr. Burns to say, but it is just funny. I do think it that comes down entirely to the delivery. Homer's living his best life in the mansion, and he's sweating out in the sauna and calling all these international numbers. Uh, one of the worst bits here, it's just, um, I mean, it's just some sort of racism as well. Just say, hey, Thailand. Oh, do you speak like that 24-7? Just well impressed by it, Danny. Uh, that particular joke, I don't think, think, comes from any kind of place of intentional prejudice. No? I think that is just very much Homer trying to make ignorant conversation with another country. But also, uh, something I do like about this scene, just a very little detail in the animation, is when Marge's hair falls down in the sauna. Yeah, it's accurate, because it would do from all the moisture in that. I did like that touch. Yeah, it's just such a, a small detail in the animation. Homer's sort of getting distraught that the week's coming to an end. You know, he's not a real billionaire, so he needs a big sort of blowout shindig. Nah, box social. Or pate. Or kegger. Or hootenanny. I do like, oh, I look so good on that bike. <laughs> we need to organise a box social. We should have had a box social when we were at our big uh, manor house. Yeah, uh, we'll do. I mean, you know, your birthday's coming up. Turn it into a box social. Yeah, on this recording, folks, it's my birthday week. Um, whoever's on the Facebook page, I'm going to be doing the cheeky cunt thing of what every sort of straight white lad seems to do. Oh, I'm in spoons, lads. Oh, it's 74, table 74 in the Witcher Lounge. Get on it. <laughs> you know, so uh, just be aware of that, people. Speaking of our trip to the Manor House, um, I suppose just a bit of behind the scenes and a bit of um, what we're all about. Do you have a favourite moment that we spent in the Manor House in Monty's Mansion, Danny, on a holiday? Ooh, uh, oh, what was it called? Playing sardines. Ah, yes. Now, that sounds sexual to people who don't know the game that well. It's not that intimate, don't worry, people. It's more, um, would you call it reverse hide-and-seek? It how is, because it's... It? Uh, well, the rules of the game is just someone goes to hide, everyone else has to find them. As soon as you find them, you have to hide in that spot with them. So eventually we got about 20 people all just corralled into wardrobes. And whoever is the last person to find this giant group of people is a loser. You would get the odd sod who would just hide on top of, say, a lazy boy recliner, and then it just seems to be a massive dog pile or a big sort of scoot around it. My own personal memory, again, another sort of pile of game we were playing, uh, Flunky Ball. Uh, for those who don't really know what the game is, you can 
Google it, but it just involves knocking something down, drinking it's fairly uh, easy. I'm a big wrestling fan, so um, I sort of brought my stone cold on because drinking got involved. And I just realised, if I cheat and get caught, people have to give me drink because that was a big fine. If you were caught cheating in any sort of way, you had to down another can. So, you know, stone cold Tyler McRae just felt like, oh, they're treating me bad. The office, I'm going to stomp a mud hole. And I was sick. I was horribly, violently sick after we finished our second game because... I decided to be a badass and emulate one of my idols. This didn't help as well when I gave actually good friend and former guest of the host, um, Sashti, a little present for taking care of me in that horrible time. So just me going, I've got you this fine gift for being such a great friend. Um, yeah, not one of my finest moments, but definitely one of my more memorable moments in our big manor house trip there. I do not remember that. <laughs> Ah, oh, um, also another big highlight, just uh, throwing my underwear down on the ground. Do you remember? When Joe, was this? Do you remember? Joe, I'm sorry, listeners, this is brand new information. When was this? Do you remember when we were playing the uh, uh, try and find the item in the house game? Okay, yeah, for like, right. That's okay. like a sock, and I just pulled one out okay. of my pocket because I hit a bunch of random crap. All right, all the over way my... you just said that, I just thought it was some sort of love island situation. Like you fucking cheat, take your fucking drawers out my ass. Like, you just got caught or something, but I'm glad you filmed me. I'm just throwing down my underwear like I'm throwing down a gauntlet for a challenge. (laughs) So Homer, um, he decides to rally some troops, and he wants some of the finest uh, keg beer around from Moe's. He wants Tuborg, the beer of Danish kings. Fun fact, folks, um, Tuborg is ass, in my opinion, for the brief time I worked in Witherspoons back in, uh, what was it, six or seven years ago. Not the best tasting beer. Uh, myself, nice hot house for their team. What do you rec- Are you a Tuborg fan, or what would you recommend for a nice box social? I have never had Tuborg before, and my personal pick for beer is the closest one. <laughs> we'll try not to enable Daddy on this podcast, folks. I'm serious. Yeah. Do you, uh, can you imagine if this law that's introduced in this scene was still around? Because this was a thing that you can't tell. I thought international waters was a thing. No, 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 you can't sell alcohol at 2 o'clock on a Sunday. Oh, God, Like, yeah. this was an actual law, it, even here in England. I don't know if it was that specific, but, yeah, I remember my dad telling me that you couldn't buy alcohol on a Sunday. And if that rule was around now, I would just... That Student would... society will crumble. Exactly. That, that being said, I, I do love the jokes in this scene. Like, uh, Lenny and Carl waiting for the sun to... When move. it gets to here, we can drink again! <laughs> And just when Homer gives this big speech about how he's going to throw the best box social of the generation and just goes, you're all invited. Yay! Yeah, well, they've got every right to do that because he didn't formally invite them. So they're just like, uh, we'll just stick to watching the fucking sun on the floor then. Fine. Screw you. But he's got this whole bunch of characters going to go on this big sort of yacht party. And I think it was quite good um, as far as, not animation, but as far as design uh, purpose. It was good to see many different characters in the Sunday best in the going out at a tide. You've got uh, Lenny in his bowling shirt. You've got Moe in his light blue polo shirt. I think it was good to see the characters in other dress. Yeah, I love those details in certain episodes where they go on a trip and they'll actually dress appropriately for it. Like in uh, Itchy and Scratchy Land where they actually dress like how a family goes on holiday. Or the uh, episode where they went to the Super Bowl and people actually dress in different attire. Just these little details in the animation that makes it feel more of a more of a special moment. 
Yeah, it's always fun. I always like seeing them. I mean, even as far as playing video games or watching The Simpsons, I like seeing alternate attires to people. It's just more interesting. It's more dynamic. Yeah. Although uh, this this kind of shows what I meant earlier, where this entire episode feels like three mini episodes. All the acts do not connect. So the first act is them at an award show. Second act, The Simpsons taking care of the mansion. And the third act, Homer and a bunch of the lads in town going on a holiday together. Oh yeah, it is why we're doing right, but we'll give you that. No, you don't. I'm not going to let you trash Mr. Burns's yacht. Marge, you know I normally listen to you, but I got to seize this opportunity. Just in case I never become a real billionaire. Oh, homie, I don't care if you're a billionaire. I love you just because. Hey, you... there's another way to get on the boat. <laughs> Marge is going to stop. Him. Oh no, you don't. We're not having you trash this yacht now. But Homer's trying to get to Marge, saying, "No, this is my last big blowout. You know, I'm never going to be a real billionaire. You're going to rob me of this opportunity." And Marge buys it hook, line, and sink. You know, oh, homie, just don't worry. You can. You're a billionaire and she's about to say like pretty much you're a billionaire in my heart, but when he just completely breaks it, hey, there's another way to get on the boat. Woohoo! Like I I do like it was very realistic, like, no, there's another fucking way. Come on, lads. Oh yeah. And then the boat goes sideways because nobody knows how to yeah. operate. Their ship's the going sideways. Bang! And they're off on their voyage. Now, this whole scene of them going into international waters and having a party. This feels like another one of the lost opportunity moments where they can literally break the law and do anything they want, but it feels like there are no real jokes made here apart from just going out and drinking. Do you think they played it safe or they were just a bit too simple with it? I do think they played it a bit too safe. Like, the best joke I can think of is one, even then it doesn't make sense, is when Mo starts whipping them because he can't sell them beer. Legally, you could give us free beer! Yeah, they reach international waters and they can do absolutely anything they want. Uh, so, when he has a bit of a kick, um, I think he's maybe the hidden MVP of this episode. I mean, yeah. Little flourishes, little flourishes. He's only there in the background and that's kind of... This is why it's great that The Simpsons has such a diverse cast of characters because a lot of them can be brought in for just one scene and one joke you know you look at people like Hans Moleman or the sea captain these characters that are there like they're just there for a one-off joke when you need them they don't really need any development you get to see a few other yachts that are partying in international waters what we get like the playboy boat we get the red dead redemption boat we're just the cowboys and then we get the El Matador boat. And we also get a little mini dinghy with, as you mentioned, the sea captain. Sea captain marrying the man and cow. But I believe this might be a Jewish cow because it does yeah. the old step breaking on the glass thing, which was a surreal touch. But yeah. I mean, it's that touch that saves the joke because otherwise, all right, it's a man marrying a cow. It's a bit weird, but it's not a bloody that. It's oh, let's make it Jewish. So Burns has had his full medical examination at the Mayo Clinic. He wants to shake the doc's hand, but the doc doesn't really want to do that, because it turns out he is the sickest man to ever exist. He has everything from juvenile diabetes, something else, hysterical pregnancy, and a little bit of hysterical pregnancy, yes. And seven new diseases found in you today. Uh, and again, like I said earlier, this is actually another one of the moments that's vaguely based on a real event, when uh, George yeah. Meyer went for a medical checkup. And it turned out, because uh, uh, he's a smoker, and they said, no, your smoking's not, not harming you. In fact, it might actually be helping you a little bit. Fucking hell. Imagine being that sort of 
rambunctious and carefree and like overindulgent that the things killing you are keeping alive. I can't believe that. Exactly. Just the most wild of things tend to end up being actual vaguely based in some sort of reality. But it's quite um it's quite interesting. He's got three stooges syndrome and I don't get why this isn't again another big breakout Simpsons meme of just the animation of all the little cute cuddle bugs just trying to get through the door. I feel it should be branded with like oh my my mental health and then me just shoving the door or something. They they got real something without that. I mean, you know, the show has had a hundred meme potential moments that some of them have to get left behind eventually. But Burns really takes us from it. So you're saying I'm indestructible. Oh no, even a slight indestructible. <laughs> I love that the doc just lets him leave it there. Like there's no follow through with that. We're back on the party yacht and um, Bart and Homer are teasing the Coast Guard and you know the Ghost Guard gives in and ends up playing his own version of uh, I've actually known my research for this, not just Danny, it's uh, China Grove by the Doobie Brothers. Um, fun little 70s rocks on there. Um, not my favourite Doobie Brothers song, I'm more of a um, would you believe. But um, yeah, there we go. Now when you're doing a little um, guitar impression, Danny, because the, um, the Coast Guard's really wah, 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 wah. Um, what is your sort of guitar impression, let's say, for a Back in Black or something like that? Ooh, Are you I... with the whaz or the doos? Or... No, I go for more like the buzz. Buzz. Buzz, buzz, buzz. buzz, buzz, buzz. Oh, really? I've never, I've never heard anyone do a buzz with it. I'm more of a... For anyone who's around in the mid-2000s, the Lynx adverts, and the wow, Like, really sassy sort of um, grinding tone, but I've, ne- I've never seen anyone do a little buzz for the guitar impression. That's the... That's a world first, and the first for this podcast, folks. Well, you know, it's an electric guitar. It would make a buzzing noise. Certainly closer than a wow. Is uh, is the lad from B-Movie playing it there? <laughs> this is, this is, do you like jazz? Yes, Jerry Seinfeld. I based my, my life around him there. But it's going reasonably well until... Um, oh, fuck it, I'll just say it. This is my um, worst moment of the episode, Danny, my controversy with it. Because um, not only is it pirates, for some reason it has to be Asian pirates. And um, just hazard a guess, folks, if you think um, they got genuine uh, Asian people to play uh, these pirates. Spoilers, they didn't. Of course, it's Hank Azaria. You know, he's their go-to for uh, questionable offensive accents in these later seasons. I mean, for me, their introduction is more lazy than anything because it feels like, all right, well, we need something to happen on the boat. Uh, I don't know. They come across pirates. Why not? And from there, it all just gets so incredibly rushed to get them off. And they get a couple of good jokes in, but they are... Yeah, they really don't feel like they need to be there. Where do you stand with actors of one race playing actors, uh, doing voices of another race or acting as another race? Well, the debate around... Because it is animation. It's not like they're doing blackface and mammy and all that, like Al Jolson, but, you know, as far as voicing. Exactly. So, like... In live action, it's a simple answer of, of no. Get someone of the of, get a person of color to play a character of color, but in animation, especially voice acting, because there's always been a long history of people playing different roles. Like even in The Simpsons, you know, Bart Simpson isn't played by a ten year old boy; he's played by a full grown woman. So the idea of of uh, you don't think it's problematic though, because I've 
I hear Hank's accent in this, and he does roll the R's and the L's, which you can't really do nowadays. Set a course for Hidden Pirate Island, a.k.a. Hong Kong. Aye, aye, Captain. Well, no, but also there are certain characters in the show that don't receive the same type of controversy. Like, nobody gets angry that groundskeeper Willie isn't played by a Scottish person. But in terms of whether it's offensive or not, uh, I've spent a long time thinking about this, and really the answer I fall onto is... If the person being represented is offended, I can't exactly say no. Like with the Apu documentary, even the, the guy who created it said he, his intention wasn't to get Apu off the show or anything. It was just to point out the issues here that this creates. And, and my main takeaway with that was, I mean, it's an Indian person being offended by an Indian character. You can't say they're wrong for that. And for those folks wondering um, when we are going to talk about Apu and his controversy, don't worry, through a... Uh... Through the old random episode generator, when we get on that poo-centric one, we will cross that bridge. Don't you worry, folks. I mean, you certainly can't handle it any worse than the Simpsons themselves handled that issue. Looks to camera. Yeah, got Pirates end up boarding the boat. Um, you know, Homer's thinks he's actually living in a sitcom and not real life because he's busy dancing, they're having fun. Um, sort of tilts away and then sees the pirates. Everyone's gone. No, if I boogie back to the left and to the right, everything will be fine, and it'll just be like a sitcom. Oh, fuck, no. I didn't like that little mini bit. There are a good... That is a good visual gag. And there are some of good jokes in this. Like, uh, I think my favourite joke in the scene is when Homer gets the knife and goes, Prepare to die! And Randall puts the one guy and says, You too. And he looks so sad. Like, what, <laughs> yeah. what have I done? I'm not the main guy. He's just there smoking a, smoking a pipe. He's not harming anyone. Oh, um, speaking of that... Um, yeah, Homer gets really brave, prepared to die, like you say, swings down from the rope, gets rope burned. Uh, this leads to one of the bits that made me cringe. Before the main bit, the first bit in this episode that made me cringe is when um, the doc goes to draw blood from Mr. Burns' arm. And it's oh, right through, and it's, it's great foley, it's great sound effects, but it really made me cringe. I don't know about you. Oh, the gag made you gag, would you say? Oh, gal. <laughs> I love it, but cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I will say top, top moment that made me cringe in Simpsons. Not in a bad way, just in like a gross way. Um, Homer's eyes crusting up that one time after going to the optometrist. Oh, Horrible. Okay. Yeah, don't want to think about it. Do you have a cringe, gross moment hmm. in the Simpsons? I mean, it's not really that much of a gross out show, so I can't really think of any moments that really upset me in that. Homer way. with the vacuum on his eye? Oh, God, yes. Oh, sorry, I've, I've put in some Vietnam sort of horror oh, flashback there. Just, like, the vein pumping of it afterwards. God, that, is, yeah. I feel like there are, there are other eye jokes that are just equally gross. What about the... Oh, the main, the main part in this with the cringe is, you know, Homer zips down the rope, gets the burn, and then he's massaging the leg, spits out the knife that's been put in his mouth, and he's just right on the hand. It's like, as someone who's stabbed their hand... More than once and didn't learn from it. Yeah, just because the hand itself is just uh, very complex to sort of work on, and that just makes me cringe. Just the, the pain I like his, of that. I like his response to the stabbing. He just kind of groans uh, like his title goes. Uh, uh, yeah. Another thing. Fuck it. I'm in the net now. Why not? <laughs> and yeah, they're all tied up in the net now. You know, they're poking all the nooks and crannies, and you know the nooks fine, but the crannies. Oh no, it isn't. Oh, ne nearly did the accent there. I'm not as bad yeah. as Hank Azaria, folks. I, I nearly did, but I saved myself. I saved myself there. 
Yeah, I've just been thinking of jokes that the pirates make, and I'm like, oh, I want to say them, but uh, it's going to be hard to not do <sighs> yeah. that. Because you want to say a Simpsons joke, you want to quote it verbatim. But I like it when he just says things like, for legal reasons, it's the ocean that'll kill you, not well, us. Smart pirates. Smart pirates. I mean, they get out of the situation, I don't know how, because they're tied in, in the ocean, but um, <laughs> that was Homer's plan all along, and, you know, killing the people on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. So, who was actually on the bottom who's dead now? So, there was Mo, Krusty, Apu. Then I think, yeah, I think, I think it's those three, because you see Wiggum smooshed up in the left there, but oh my god, you're right. Yeah, so these characters are now people. dead. This is what I mean by this whole climax feels, the whole third act feels lazy from the pirates' introduction to how they escape them is just, oh, get the floats, and the uh, current will take us back to shore. They managed to get back um, to the mansion at the same time as Mr. Burns. Oh, Mr. Burns, pirates took your yacht, but... No, Franz isn't that worried. I'm sure he can buy a new one. These things are excusable. But not Furious George. That was another odd, funny moment. Just um, a monkey knife fight that you can have in international waters. <laughs> a little taunting in that. See, that's the type of stuff that I want them to do more of. Of really just go out there and saying with what you can do when there are no laws on you. What have a great name. Furious George. Exactly. Right. Have a monkey knife fight. Smithers, this monkey's going to need most of your skin. And his little uh, reaction is like, ooh, I don't know. And then, it sort of, again, it just sort of, the ending fizzles out like it does sometimes, or half the time throughout season 11 and 12, where Homer has to sort of wrap it up. He's like, he wants to say, we may not be like money rich, but we're family rich, but he can't even lie to himself. So he just breaks down and cries. I like the realism, but I just feel it was a bit flat at the end. I mean, kind of, another problem with the second half of the episode is that we haven't mentioned Marge or Lisa once throughout oh, it. Oh, God, yeah. They should they should have had another scene, a couple jokes with them, even if it was, like, a ten-second, two ten-second cutaways. They deserve something. Yeah, they have, Rather like, than domestic cleaning, which is a bit iffy now. I'm pretty sure that's the only scene they get together. I remember a later episode where they go to the Super Bowl, they kind of reference this, where Marge and Lisa try to have their own adventure, but it's so intentionally boring that that becomes the joke. Yeah, it's a shame, that. Yes, that is the episode ended. And uh, with that, Danny, um, what are the overall thoughts now that it's ended? Uh, you know, this this feels like one of the more segmented episodes of, of the show. And it, I think it's a good uh, summary of this season and this generation of The Simpsons in general, where there are still plenty of good jokes, but the stories themselves just really don't hold any value to them. Now, compared to the episode you were on beforehand reviewing, I believe it was Crates of Wrath, um, did you prefer this, or did you prefer season one? Oh, I absolutely prefer this, just because by this point the Simpsons know what they are, Oh, and th- they get good jokes, all the characters are there, they can just show up, but say something funny. I would very much prefer an episode that's funny over an episode like Crates of Wrath, where it was more story-based, but they hadn't fully figured out the balance yet. Uh, for me... Ooh, let me think of rankings. I'll give this a nice, commendable 3 out of 5. A do, a do, a do, a do, as lame as that is. Uh, Danny, what about yourself? I might end up actually giving it the same rating I gave Crates of Wrath of just a 2.5 out of 5 Springfield Pride Awards. Ah! I've... I've turned him round, folks. The first time he wasn't part of the gimmick, now he's turned it round. Okay. Okay, let's spin that random episode generator and see what comes next. 
Grab your snow boots, folks, and get ready for the Rocket House, because we're going to Season 8 with Mountain of Madness. Remember to like and share and comment on our Facebook group, that's our Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast. And the same with our SoundCloud, that's also Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast. Take care, folks. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good.